all. Whether you are here with us in the room or you are joining us online, we are glad that you are here. I'm Reverend Nicole Riley, lead and teaching pastor here, and I want you to know that if you want to follow along with the sermon, on our church app, you will find sermon notes. So, we are in a season in this church. We're in the season of Lent. It's a time when you and I pause and reflect on what God has done for us in Jesus. Our theme this year is restored. And I love that idea, that we are restored by what God has done for us. You know, it's the big idea kind of of the series is that, you know, humanity was created or, you know, we're created as this beautiful, perfect baby. But then life happens right? We become insecure. Maybe we become sneaky. Maybe we become angry. Maybe as people, we look at others through the eyes of envy or pain or jealousy. And that original image that lives within each of us of God, that original image gets dulled. That light shines less brightly. Lent is about remembering that in Jesus, God has restored us, that he has taken us and turned that light up more brightly. When we are stuck in sin, of course, we flounder, but it doesn't have to be that way. There is more for us as people of faith. So today we're going to look at how we are restored by God's Holy Spirit. And we're going to be talking about a particular way that God restores us, and that is by our being born anew or born from above or born again. You may be familiar with one or two of those, but this is how the Spirit renews us. So today what we're going to do is this. We have a really long text I'm going to read it in three different sections, and then we'll look at each section and unpack it. So let's do John 3, 1 through 9 first. Now, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born. And Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. 
So here we meet Nicodemus. He's a religious leader during Jesus' time. And he comes to Jesus because he wants to know more. He wants to know more about who Jesus is. He wants to know more about how uh, Jesus is leading in this new way. And so he comes to ask him about him and about it. And Jesus basically says, um, to enter into what I am doing, to enter into and to see what God is doing in me, you must be born again or born anew, or born from above. You can translate it all different ways. And so if you take a couple steps back and you kind of look at what Jesus is doing here, he's pointing to the reality of sin in our world and how the road humanity travels on too often is a road of selfishness or greed or turning from the needs of others. We cannot come back and be restored just with a little tune-up. We need more than a tune-up. We need something as radical as being reborn. When I was in high school, I had a friend who did not take the usual path. You know, usually you go to four years of high school, and then if you want to go to college, you go to college. Um, She took the, uh, I guess it's the GRE. No, that's the graduate rec exam. GED, thank you. She took that when she was in 11th grade, and she graduated early. And then she um, got a job. And we were like, okay, well, that's, you know, that's certainly within the realm. But then she decided that she was going to move to Alaska. Now, this is before really the Internet, So, like, she had no idea what she was getting into, really, except from the library that she read things about. So she picked up and went to Alaska. She knew no one. She didn't have a job. She didn't have a place to live. And she has really, throughout her whole life, lived in a very different way. And I know when she was just starting to do this, I kind of shied away from it. It was such a radical change from what the rest of us were doing. And so as I hear the story today with Nicodemus, I kind of get his concern. Sometimes things just look so radical, you just, you just aren't quite sure what's being asked of you. In our text today, Jesus invites Nicodemus to see something, to see that there are two ways of life. First is the way of flesh, and the next is the way of the spirit. So the way of flesh is our humanness, our humanity, the usual things that are part of being a human being. And the way of the Spirit is this way of the spiritual life, of our connection with God. Now, there's nothing wrong with the flesh. It's just not in the end enough. God has more for us than just our physical lives. And Jesus explains to Nicodemus that we're all called to be born twice. First, a physical birth, and then second, this spiritual birth, that both matter. This is a radical idea. Nicodemus isn't too sure about it, and I think that's normal because it is one of the more challenging concepts in our faith. So what's Jesus trying to get at? What's he trying to say? How would we maybe think of it in our own world and life? Here's the way I think of it. You and I, we can get all the education. 
We can marry the person of our dreams. We can have the kids or the job or the house that we love. And still we can feel a deep emptiness within us. Something feels missing. The emptiness is because we were created for more. We were created for a relationship with the God who loves us. We are created for a spiritual life. It's like one author puts it, he says, we were born with a God-shaped hole within us, and it can only be filled by God's presence. I was start, a part of a church that started a new worship service many years ago. And one of the things we did as we were starting the new services, we were inviting people we knew who weren't connected to a faith community. And so Jeff and I invited friends of ours. They had all that life can offer. And they came to church, and they ended up staying and getting involved because all that life can offer isn't enough. We need that relationship with God. So while the idea of being born again or born anew or born from above may strike us as odd, we're invited really just to hear it as an invitation, an invitation to walk more closely with God to be restored by God, and to have God's Spirit dwell within us. One more thing I want to say about this part is that sometimes when people hear um, a desire or feel a desire to become part of a church or to follow a faith or to figure out what it means um, to be spiritual, they make a misstep that I made too, which is you think that it's self-help. You know, you think that the faith is about trying harder or, you know, working longer at something and doing better, and that that's what it means, that, you know, cleaning up your life, that's what the spiritual life is about. But the reality is that what God does for us is so much more. It's God does for us what we cannot do for ourselves, and this gives us healing, and this gives us hope. And this gives us direction and purpose in our lives. Let's look at the next section of our text. This is verses 10 through 15. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus. And do you not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up a snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. So these words are Jesus' response to Nicodemus's obvious confusion. He's trying to tell him that he needs to believe in Jesus and in his words. And then he talks about a text that's in the Hebrew scriptures, that's in the Old Testament. It comes from Numbers 21, and it's a 
Very interesting text, I'll just put it that way. It's a story of the people turning away from God and how in their illness they need to be healed. And so Moses creates a bronze snake that he puts on a pole, and everyone who looks at that is healed. And Jesus uses that image to compare what he is doing. For his healing, unlike Moses's, which was just for that day in that situation, Jesus's healing is about restoring our relationship with God and about the gift of eternal life. Let's look at one last section. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, and whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. So we know this phrase. If you know nothing else about the Bible, you have probably seen the sign held up at the football game, God so loved the world. This is why Jesus came among us. It's not about condemnation. It's about love and this call that God has for all of us to come and be with him. God's work is to restore creation. God's work is to liberate creation. God's work is to offer us life and life abundant. We've all received an invitation from God to have God's spirit dwell within us. But of course, as we look around in the world, you just need to watch the news to see that some don't go toward the light, they go toward the darkness. And when we hear these stories on the news, we weep. We hear of the violence and the pain and the hurt in the world, and it's heartbreaking. It's upsetting. It's tragic. But we continue to proclaim the light so that people might know that there is another way and there is a light to follow. So, a lot of theology. What does this mean? What do we do with this text? How do we live this text out? A couple ideas. The first is... Are we living into this invitation to be born again? Now, let me say this. Uh, To be born again or born anew or born from above, whatever you like, isn't a one-time event for most people. Instead, it's an experience that we grow into and live into and progress into day by day. And I say that because being born and growing up does not happen overnight. Right? If you brought home your baby, and then the next day you looked at him, he was 18, that would be shocking, right? That's not how it works. It is a slow process. 
Not only is it like that for the physical life, I think it is also, for most of us, like that for the spiritual life. It takes our, it takes our whole life to live into what it means to follow God. How do we know, though, if we're living into this invitation? Well, for me, I would look toward Galatians 5, which lists, for me, what it looks like when our lives are restored. We live in these ways. We live out of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. These are the ways we live when we are living into what it means to be born anew. So think where you're at. Think about last week. How did you do with living into this? And how might you increase that? You may know the story. It's a Native American story of a grandfather who is talking to his grandson. And he says, my son, there is a battle between two wolves inside of us. One is evil. It is anger and jealousy and greed. And the other is good. It is joy and peace and love and kindness. The boy thought about it for a moment. Then he said, grandfather, which wolf wins. And the grandfather said quietly, the one you feed. That is so true in this life, isn't it? That whatever we give our time and attention to grows. So are we giving our time and attention to spreading love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control? It's something for us all to look at and to think how we can do that more often. Second, I want to recognize why being born again matters. (laughs) Here's what I think. Um, I think it's human nature that we just want to live in a way that's comfortable. We just want to make things easy. We don't want to really stress out or do too much. We We want to hang out with people that are just like us. We... We don't want to give of our time or our finances to others. You know, they should go get their own. So this is how we are. But the spiritual life calls us past this way. As followers of Christ, we're called to make room at the table for those that we might disagree with. We are called to take our time and use it to serve others and to care. We're called to take our finances and to share those with the ministries and the charities that we care about. We're called to forgive others, and so much so, so much more. I don't think any of these things will happen in this life unless we are in the process of being born anew, because there's so many reasons why we don't want to do those things, right? We all have lots of excuses. There's lots of reasons why not. Being born anew is about this process in our life that moves us just from an orientation to the flesh, to getting what's comfortable and doing what works, to this new way, living in God's way, a way of the kingdom of God among us, loving and caring for one another.
This is the last one I want to bring up. Lent invites us to take our next steps with God. You know, I think if I were to summarize what our text today is really all about, it's about Jesus inviting Nicodemus into a changed relationship with God. One based on following instead of rules. One based on learning instead of knowing. What does the change look like? this changed relationship with God that we're invited into. I think for me, and I imagine it's different for everyone, that change has looked like my learning to rely on God more fully. To not get in there and try and fix all the things and do all the things, but to listen to God and to follow where he calls me. This is hard. It's hard for us all to live in this changed relationship with God because it's really about our looking more toward God than ourself and our own skills and our own competence. It was hard for Nicodemus. Depending how you're wired, it can really take your whole life to move into this thing where you learn to trust God and you learn to know that you can humbly come before him and that you don't have to control the world, that you can trust that God is in the midst of it all. Lent invites us to take our next steps. And you may know what your next step is with God, but if you don't have an idea, I'll share one that I often share. It's an easy thing to do, and it's something that you can do Um, If you're brand new to the faith or you've been around forever, I think it's easy and I think it's also amazing. This is all you have to do. In the morning, when you wake up, you say, God, is there anything I can do for you today? Here's the thing. God will tell you what some things you need to do today. Maybe in that moment, but maybe throughout the rest of your day, you'll see where God is moving and how God is calling you to be part of what he's doing in the world, to be part of his kingdom. So try it out. In the morning, God, is there anything that I can do for you today? And see what God calls you to do. So today, we have focused on this concept of being born anew, born again, born from above, And I know that in a lot of places there's some baggage around this whole concept and some confusion around it. Or or maybe you've been treated in a way where someone's asked you if you're born again and they've been not really great about all of that. I understand that, but my hope is that we can reclaim this idea. For it reminds us of something really important It reminds us that our faith is to radically transform us and that this transformation isn't done by us, but it is done by God's Spirit who restores us. Let's pray.